0: We need to talk about the motherhood penalty. A penalty that only mothers pay when they become parents. A penalty that strikes your lifetime earnings, your retirement savings, and your career. A penalty that, for me, took me by surprise and off-ramped my first career. My name is Emma McLean, and in this series, we're gonna do just that. We are gonna talk all about the motherhood penalty. Get curious about the system that creates it and talk to experts about what we can do to smash it. It's going to be practical, punchy and peppered with laughter, a little like me. If this sounds good to you, let's get into it. Welcome to How to Smash the Motherhood Penalty, a podcast where we get curious about the motherhood penalty curious about the system that creates it, and curious about the solutions that are going to smash it. Today, I am delighted to welcome Priscilla Chand, the founder of Hire Her, a transformative digital talent and jobs platform for women, with over 250 successful job placements in two years. Amazing! Amazing! and a growing community of three and a half thousand women. Amazing. Priscilla is on a mission to forge a more inclusive and diverse workforce, bridging the gender gap one successful job placement at a time. And I am here for that mahi. Join us as we explore her story, her vision, and her dedication to empowering women in the workforce while balancing the role of a mother to two young girls. Priscilla, welcome. Thank you so much for that introduction. It was so amazing. (laughs) You're like, I am am amazing. And yes, you (laughs) are. And that's what I love. Look, why don't we just begin at the beginning? And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, your business, however you'd like to introduce yourself.
1: Ooh, where to begin? <laughs> I will give you all the fun bits. Mm-hmm. And we will go into like the super deep bits. But so my parents are Fiji Indian mm-hmm. and they're immigrants that moved from Fiji to Sydney and they had me in Sydney. So I was brought up in um, Sydney for six years and then after the six years we moved to New Zealand. And then I've spent the rest of my life in New Zealand. But just as a background, like because we've come from, so being Fiji Indians meaning Indians, so... I sort of grew up seeing the role that the mom would play that was rather traditional Mm -hmm. and the role that the dad would play. And, you know, as I kind of grew up and my parents kind of separated, I saw my mom come into like this empowerment fruition of the strong woman that was also ambitious. And it was at that point that I saw her thrive in her career and then like sort of later on, I did the university thing and I got into marketing and I loved it. I got to work for some wonderful companies, got married and everything, met the love of my life. And then I, you know, got pregnant in 2018 and I thought I would go back to work. And uh, I never did. And I went on to have one girl and then another girl. I really struggled with my driving ambition for work and for my career, but I also struggled with I wanted to be there for the kids, and I, mm. I my eldest wasn't ready to go back to daycare, mm. so I never went back to work. And then it was like 2020, COVID hit, had my second child, and that is when in my moments of sort of, I don't know, looking for something that I wanted, mm. I came up with the idea for Hire Her, mm. which is mm. This website, gohiho.com, that I've created Mm. for women.
0: Yay! Like all good businesses, born of a problem, right? And also, I loved your story about your parents and the power of parents as role models, right? And the power of our beliefs when we grow up with parents Mm. and how that shapes what we think mums and dads are as well. One thing I'm curious about is, when you said you thought you'd go back to work, but you didn't, mm. you know, tell me more about what made that hard for you. So, reminding back to
1: when I was 12 weeks pregnant, I had this big operation. So, two years, I think some mums would relate to this. It took me a while to get pregnant, not as long as some mums, mm. you know, that, mm. that go through a massive journey, but it did take me a while. And so, when I got there in at 12 weeks, I was close to losing my baby, so there was some medical complications. So after that experience, I was like, oh, like, you know, it's taken me this far. Mm-hmm. I'm about, you know, I'm, I'm hitting that 12 weeks mark and I feel like I'm going to lose her. And then, you know, she sort of came into the world five weeks early. Mm-hmm. So she was always like that, my precious little baby, right? Like it is for every mother. But I think what was really hard was when I just wasn't ready to go back to work mm-hmm. after the one year mark. And I knew that she wasn't ready. And there were just some things that were happening in the background with work. And I just I don't know. Like, I was like, I could revert back and start my career. Like, and I know if I go back to work right now, I'm going to be okay because I've only taken the 12 months off. But inside of me, I just knew that I wouldn't get this time back with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And actually, being there in the moments that mattered, I knew that if I looked 70 years from now, what are the things that are going to matter? Mm. And the thing that mattered was being there longer Mm. for her. So that's Mm. what made me go, you know what? Mm. I'm going to put a pause in my career for now. Mm. I know that when I'm ready, I'm going to go back to it. Or I'll do something different. Mm. Mm. And it's actually a really tough decision to make (laughs) in a society where, like, I was given two pieces of information. One was go back into the workforce because you don't, you work so hard to build that career. Do you want to lose it? Like, because where are you going to start? So it's that fear that you get inside of yourself. The second piece was like, I also met a lot of incredible stay-at-home moms that absolutely loved it. But the thing is, I also knew inside of myself, I'm not a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Like, as in, like, I couldn't just be the mom. Mm. I had to be more. And I was so afraid on how I would merge those worlds together.
0: Beautiful. I mean, so many people listening will identify with your story, Priscilla, right? Because for me, it is an illustration of how complex this is mm. you know that at the same time we can love being a mother but not want to do it 24/7 we have all these feelings around well my job used to be my everything and people are telling me that now i'm going to throw it all away what does that mean you know and this is at a time when you're undergoing a physical transformation as well and this is really tough particularly for mothers And these trade-offs are brutal. Do I have this time with my my baby that was so longed for? Or do I go back to work? They're quite binary as Mm. well, right? Like when Mm -hmm. I hear you say that back. And look, I'm not saying I've got solutions for this, but I think we need to talk about it a bit more because this stuff is hard. Mm. And we can do hard things. Hard is not good. It's not bad. It's hard. And I think we can find a way through. And that's why I love your business, helping parents to find a way through how you might create a life that has a blend of work and Mm. being a parent that works for you. Or, you know, for my business, works for everyone. So when I say the words motherhood penalty, what comes up for you? I sort of look at it and I'm
1: like it shouldn't be a penalty for first, but it is. And it that's the thing that's really frustrating because society's built on a really, like a hundred years ago, like what work used to be and what it represented and what it was. And, and today we're so much more complex than that, right? So the thing about the penalty piece is I, I just think that like having children, if anything, has made me better in the decisions I make, stronger as the person I am. I'm far more empowered. I am just leaning into the human I'm supposed to be. I'm probably, like, I, if I looked at who I was an employee before versus who I am today, I'm not an employee. I run my own business. But the characteristics I have is so much more powerful. The penalty piece is it's annoying because there is probably a pause that some of us take in our career. And that means in order, when we take that pause, it's to do with our skills so we're not upskilling, we're not staying in the marketplace and and showing that sort of value in the workforce, but we're adding the value to society. Like we need to raise good human beings. We know what the problems are at a human level for the kids that are growing up. We need better humans. So it sucks. And the piece around penalty is like, yes, it's actually happening today. And yes, I see a lot of mums I speak to that are on my platform. So I Hi-ho caters to um, all women of all ages and all ages and stages. So mm-hmm. I kind of think about you're not just a mum, but you could be a woman that has caregiving responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You may have times in your life that you need to not work full-time and you may need to work part-time. So we kind of cater to everybody. But I specifically engage with a lot of mums. And the penalty that they pay is basically this. They're like, I don't want to work full-time. Because I want to be there for the kids when they finish school. Mm-hmm. But I'm not finding the kind of jobs that I want. And don't give me a, a super, like, underpaid, devalued job for my skill set just because I'm asking you for flexibility and part-time. Yeah, so that's, that's when I look at that piece and I'm like, that's the penalty. That's when you're putting us into yes. jail. Because we can add so much value yes. to companies, Gosh. to society. Wow. So that's the thing. That's the price, I think. And that sucks mm-hmm. because my husband, the reality is he didn't pay that price. If anything, his career, did so. It did so. Mm. He has actually become an incredible leader because of being a father, mm. more empathetic, and I love to see men mm. who are parents mm. rise to the top. Mm. But, yeah, we need to remove that lock that's stopping us women from rising.
0: Great story. Great story that so many people will be nodding their head with. It's something I see in all my work as well is that it appears – that when you are a parent, and it doesn't matter whether you're a mum or a dad, it is very hard to get work that is of reduced hours, but at a senior level. Or that enable. as I've said before on this podcast, it enables you to build your career, not sidestep it. And because of that, what happens is because it's typically women that are taking these reduced hour roles, they're not senior And so their salary is being penalized Mm -hmm. because they are a mother. And not only that, Priscilla, but on average, women are doing more unpaid work at home than men, right? So here's the value exchange: women are doing more and they're getting less. So, you know how I said, like, I'm Fiji Indian, right? So,
1: we come from a culture where mums did 90% of the home stuff, right? I saw so many of the women around me not live up to their potential. And it killed me, you know, to see that because I was like, so you're raising the kids and you're doing all the stuff at home and so the men are out there and they're making the income. The thing is like in order and and so there's so many factors that come into play from a financial perspective for a woman. So particularly in these cultures where if you're not earning the income, right, you're not making an income, you don't get that empowerment as much. Look, some cultures are different. The Western culture is maybe a little bit more progressive in this front. But I'm really passionate about women, like, being able to earn from a financial perspective because she then gets an empowerment and the right to speak and make those decisions in the household too. So I can't say equality because sometimes I feel when we're having these discussions, particularly, you know, coming from a culture where if the woman was doing 90%, for our men to then pick up and do 20 or 30%, that's actually a win. I'm lucky I'm actually with somebody who's doing 50-50. And so he lets me rise and I let him rise. Mm. And we're trying to sort of balance that workload. Mm. It's not perfect Mm. at all, but men definitely need to pick up that workload, but they need to also be educated too on how to do it Mm -hmm. In in a meaningful way. I feel like when we get pregnant and when we're sitting there and they're telling us the antenatal classes. If anything, and I know that Steph from Crown's doing this at the moment Mm. from the financial perspective, but they should also be talking about like, okay, this is how you can split the workload. This is how daddy can um, take up this bit. This is how mommy can take this bit. We don't want mommy to not, you know, be rising to the top and having her share of earning financially and rising as well. We want our parents to do both because then that's how our sons will be raised and that's how our daughters will be raised, you know, in the future. So then then we won't even need to be talking about equality because they saw mummy and daddy do it. Yes. You know, so that's yes. like it's these things that we need to start at that foundational level.
0: Yeah. It's a, such a great insight, right, because, you know, we do antenatal programs before we have a baby, right, which is focused primarily on the birth, mm-hmm. which is, in breaking news, the easy bit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's like but I love your idea, right, because where are the spaces that – As a couple, we can sit down and go, okay, let's have a baby and let's talk about how are our careers going to work after this and how will all the work at home happen? On average, every time you have a baby, about 50 hours of additional work walks through your door with that adorable little baby. And that's not even counting breastfeeding, which is work. And so, again, in my work, I don't see enough couples having conscious, deliberate conversations about, hey, honey, now that I'm back at work, all the stuff that I did when I was on leave, how's that going to happen? Because if we don't have these conversations, the risk is one parent becomes the default parent, they're the ones that seek the flexible working, and they're the ones that is penalized. And so I think your idea around education, around conversations, around how might our family work, honey, is so important. Hang on, you know, and um,
1: my line of work, you know, we're working with some wonderful employers in New Mm. Zealand and the thing that they come when they speak to me about we want more women in leadership, Mm. we want more women in the senior position, I'm like, how are you going to do that? There's only a pipeline of, like, there's a small pool of women that are sitting at this level. That is it. You can take from this pull of women, yeah, but really we need to be looking at that sort of couple of tiers below that and trying to foster and nurture those Mm. women Mm. through these conversations you and me are having today, whether Mm. it's with their partners there are managers, mm. the workplace mm. not penalizing us for part time and flexible working, all that mm. kind of stuff, like mm. we need to be doing all that middle weaving work, which I know you do, mm. and that's an area I'm super passionate in, but it's like that's what I say to them. I'm like we how do we get more women in tech at mm. senior leadership level mm. you're only you're going to be picking out of maybe fifty women in New Zealand mm. that are um lead software engineers, mm. for example, mm. you know, so I think it's like. Yeah, like, we can immediately solve a problem from this poll, but we need to make the pull better. That's what I want to see.
0: Love it. Yeah. Love it. And I I love how you've described the work I do as middle weaving. I'm loving that. That yeah. is great. I mean, to Toku, what you say, because I believe we can't be surprised if there's no woman at the top if we haven't put a care wrap around them in the middle, you know? Like, yeah. it's it, – because this is hard. You know, you've got young families. You've got demanding deadlines. And you may or may not have an equitable relationship. For those of us who are parenting alone, the load is extra harder. Mm. When you add the intersectionality of Maori, Pacifica, and other ethnicities, this is extra hard, right? So I, I think it's that middle where we need to focus. So we're in violent agreement. I'm always keen to talk about ideas, right, you know, of how we can smash the motherhood penalty so that our children and their children don't experience it. So, you know, what are some of the solutions here? Like, h- how do we change the system? What are some things employers could do, individuals? Like, what do you think we can do to, so that when I talk to your daughters in 35 years' time, we're not having the same conversation?
1: Well, I think there are actually some really great New Zealand employers at the moment that are doing some great things. So I might just sort of select some of yep. their examples because we're working with them. For example, Contact Energy, and they're going to be coming and partnering with HiHo soon, which is really cool. Awesome. But they launched a incredibly leading parental leave policy last year. Um, and I believe it's it's things like offering the male and the female like that equal opportunity in taking up the um, parental leave when you have a baby, which is, I think, so helpful, or even giving the man a little bit more parental leave so that he can be there to support his wife. That's like the early stages. But then also like really looking at providing like flexibility for like their working parents, whether you're a man or woman. So even if the man has to go and kind of pick up the kid from childcare or Mm. school or stuff like that, like Mm. a real, like a true understanding of what flexibility looks like. Mm. So I saw that, contacted that. And then some of the other, like there was recently a little feature that QE Bank did Mm. and we're working with them And the head of brand is a mom to, I think, three or four kids, Mm. and she works part-time. And I was like, that is amazing. Like, that is so great. Mm. And then I think you're also working with One New Zealand who Mm. offer job sharing. Mm -hmm. The thing I'm saying this for is that there are some good practices that are coming into play. Yes. So I'd like to see more of our New Zealand employers. Whether you're small or large or medium, to actually adapt some of these yeah. strategies. And yes, like let's have a look at the data. Mm. I think you would say the same. Like, as working women, even if I'm not doing 40 hours a week, boy, am I is my output amazing. Yeah. So that doesn't yeah. mean just because you're doing because I remember when I was in my pre-children days, I was working 40, 45 hour weeks, but I don't actually know if the output equated to that. Yeah. Now I look at what I do and I'm like, I'm outputting probably maybe, I don't know, 50% even more if that, mm. like because you're just like your mm. time is so precious. Mm. So there are some really great things that are happening at the moment and I feel like that's what we need to be looking at as a best practices. Also there was some, um, I think a big study done in the UK talking about the four-day working mm. week. I think we've got, you know, in New Zealand we've got a few companies, Perpetual Guardian was one of the first, right, Yeah, that tested it. It's great. Yep. Like people love that because – I mean, yeah, there are pros and cons, but giving them that four days to just pump out the work so that they've got that whatever additional day yeah. left yeah. to spend time with their family. Like, there are so many, so many examples of this. And yeah. we just have to sort of look at what's working and seeing how that impacts your bottom line. So I think one of the things that corporates get and companies get afraid of is if we implement these things, will it impact our bottom line mm, mm, and mm. the efficiencies and the way that our people work? Mm. I actually think it's going if, – if you can make your people happy, mm. if you can make sure that they are supported, cared for, that they can thrive in their family life, mm. wouldn't you think that they can then thrive in their careers? Mm. Mm-hmm. I would – I think so. Yeah, you don't want to be creating such a culture where they're so stressed they go home and they're even more stressed. Yeah, mummy stressed, Daddy's stressed Mommy, daddy stressed, mummy, daddy, and fighting. Yeah, how are you coming to work and giving your best self? You're not. Yeah. yeah. So we need to start thinking in that level, right? Yeah. Whoa. Know, yeah. yeah. It's a bit of it's a long answer, but
0: <laughs> no, I was just going to comment on your passion and your deep insight about this. It's something that I can hear in your voice. You like really care about. I
1: care about raising the best humans for our future. Mm. Like, I'm not just, I don't think about hire her as the problem we can solve today. Mm. I think about, we need to create a better society for our children to exist in. Mm. And that is mm-hmm. why we need to do
0: right by a woman. Beautiful. Well, you've got a fan club and me on that. I totally agree. Just building on something you said before around, you know, these reduced hour roles and the four-day working week and all that. and. That we need more movement in that space. I wanted to share a story about a client of mine. She's a CMO. She's just returned to work after three kids. This is her third time returning, right? And you will know, Priscilla, but a common pain point for working parents is you you feel lucky enough that they've let you come back on four days a week. So that's a prorated salary on four days, but you're still kind of working on the Sunday to get it all done, right? So you, you're doing more work and getting paid for less, but somehow you feel lucky. So my client knew that this was going to happen, right? She only wanted to work four days a week, right? But she knew that she would be delivering five days worth of outcomes in that. And so she went and negotiated with her manager, the CEO, and she said, I want to come back on an FTE salary, full-time salary, but I'm not going to be in the office on a Friday. And I won't be available for meetings or I won't be in, available in emails. But everything will continue. I will deliver all my outcomes. I will not make sure any balls are dropped. And that's how I want to work. And she got that agreed. Amen. <laughs> I love that. And that's an example of if you do not ask,
1: yeah. you will not Let's get. be
0: clear. She had to ask about three times yeah. because it's as you said, Priscilla, this is very scary for people. Yeah. There's a whole lot of things of like, that's not fair. But the problem is, who's it fair for? Because is it fair that my client gets paid for four but delivers five? Who's that not fair for? So I think what I, I encourage anyone who's listening to this who is a people leader is just get curious about this. Get curious about the loyalty it engenders. Get curious about the outcomes. Get curious about the culture it builds. I think the motherhood penalty starts way before anyone's even had a kid. It starts when you're a woman and you look at what's happening to other mothers. And if you can see solutions like this, that employer is going to have lifelong fans. So I just really want to see more innovation. That's why I love what you do. I love you being a system agitator, right? We need to be asking the questions. Where are the job shares? Where are the part-time senior roles? And I love that. So final question for me, if I gave you a magic wand What's the one thing you would do that you think would have the biggest impact on making sure that it's not just mums who pay a penalty when they become parents?
1: The way I kind of look at it is, like, if you really want to create change in this world, you kind of have to go sometimes at the top. The influencers, the CEOs, the politicians, the change makers, like, people that truly run this world because we're built on capitalism, right? So like our rules around this world and the way that society works is all around that piece. Mm. That's why nine to five exists. That's why all these things kind of happen. So it's really like sitting with those people and maybe like, I don't know, like kind of educating them and getting them to change the way that they would run their companies. So like literally going like, okay, let's look at like not nine to five. Let's look about like, the So you get measured on the output of the work that you do potentially or something like that. Mm, so it's mm. like your roles are not built on 40-hour weeks. It's mm. built on I can have my life and I can do my thing. Yeah. And I can even have my passion and whatever or be a parent, whatever. But you're going to pay me for the results I deliver and it doesn't need to be delivered in like 40 hours. It, like a lot of this piece comes to like really changing the way that we look at the world. Yeah. Because I feel like. The, the conversation we're having today, although it's like speaking about motherhood penalty, but I just think humans in general, because I've spoken to, you know, all ages of women in the last like two years, and we are evolving and changing as people. Mm. So work is not actually, like you say, work for everyone, right? Mm. Work is not working for a lot of people right now. Because people are just like, you need them to thrive in other areas and their passions and their hobbies and their activities. Man, if you can, because how many people, I remember when I used to, you know, go into the office and people would be counting down to a Friday and I was like, how is this good for this business? Mm. If you've got an employee sitting there and you're paying them a hundred thousand, they're doing their job, but they're not really thriving and enjoying it, your company actually does end up suffering Mm. because you're not getting the ideas, the innovation, the passion, all that stuff. Mm. We Mm. really need to have a good look at it. And I think the people you need to influence really has to be. These people at the top, yeah, because they're the ones sitting in those boards and at that level where they're looking down and they're like, mm, you know, profitability and shares and you know how the world works. Yeah, I don't have the exact no. like answer to this. Yeah, but I do know who we need to be yep. speaking to.
0: No, I, I think you do have the answer. I think when I heard you talk that out to me, what you're saying, Priscilla, is you're going to start a CEO boot camp. Wow, oh, maybe that's it. <laughs> We could do it together, Emma. (laughs) So you're going to start a CEO boot camp where we reimagine the workplace so that it works for everyone, right? I think that that's the thing. A lot of the solutions that are going to work for working parents actually make life better for everyone. And to your point, I don't believe this system works for anyone. It's just that some people are actually paying a penalty, right? I think that... We are all working in a system that doesn't value caregiving. It's the conversation I want to start. If we did value caregiving, there'd be on-site childcare in all offices. There would be school holiday programs on-site, paid parental leave for both mums yeah. and dads. Yeah. There would be yeah senior part-time roles, and there would be equitable distribution of unpaid labour at home. How happy would that make people
1: feel? Like <laughs> honestly, like you know my like my daughter's just about to start school, so we were sort of sitting in the program where they sort of run through parents about school. One of the deputy principals is like children that are like five are coming in to school and their language skills are like a three-year-old. They're like, why do you think it is? Mm. And one of the answers that came into play was that it's this busy lifestyle mm. that we live in today. Yeah. And parents are trying to survive because they've got to deliver. They've got to do all these things. They can't be conscious with their children. Yeah. Their children are then falling behind. The school teachers are underpaid. They're trying to help mm. us with the children. None of our systems actually setting us up for success in humanity. Yeah. yeah. So I think, like, all these themes that you and me are talking about today, yeah. it's just going to be a good thing for the world. Yeah. And that's kind of what, like, that's the reason I started Hire Her. Like, a lot of people don't know, because although, yes, it's a female, it's a woman-only platform, and we're working with some incredible employers, but I actually am running an initiative this month, right? Because, like, one of the hardest things is when you're trying to build something, create change, is getting people on board. So I've had some amazing employers come on board. But I want more. Mm. So I've literally like opened up the platform for the month of August and said to any employer, just use our platform at no cost. Mm. List any job ad you want. I want you to like actually meet these women. Mm. Because I know so many women who just are so skilled and smart and mothers. I would hire them in a heartbeat if I could. Mm. Mm. And I Mm. just want employers to have access and to speak to these women and see what's out there. Because a lot of them are actually hiding. Yeah. You're not there. They don't want to come play yep. with like these top employees. And if I was a CEO, I'd be like, I want her. Mm. I want mm. this mum of like three kids juggling everything, multitasking, super school, super efficient, mm. outcome focused. Yeah. That's who I want to hire.
0: Totally. Love it. Love your work, my friend. Kia ora. Thank you so much for coming in. I know so many people have found this conversation inspiring. And hopefully registering on Hire Her and employers contacting you. How can people get hold of you? Go
1: hireher.com mm-hmm. is the website. Yeah. And follow us on uh, Hire Her. So Hire Her's on LinkedIn, yep. on Instagram, anywhere. Nice. Send us a DM, send me a message. Yep. Stalk um, her. Yeah. Track it down. Stalk, stalk, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for this opportunity. and You're welcome. For just being such a force of nature in this conversation. I know that even five years ago when I sort of entered this path there was nowhere that I could turn to Mm. and I'm so proud of like all of us there Mm. is a few of us Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. this space Mm -hmm. and we're all fighting really hard Yep, and we need many 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 of us to do this together
0: we do I agree I agree so thank you for that and I totally agree with that approach Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, please share it with someone else who will enjoy it. And onwards and upwards. This podcast was funded by Works for Everyone, a business that is dedicated to supporting working parents and to smashing the motherhood penalty. If this is also your jam, let's stay connected. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for us, Works for Everyone. And if you want more information on how we help businesses put a care app around their employees, check us out on worksforeveryone.co.nz. Or if none of these work for you, in the weekends you can find me, Emma McLean, the founder of Works for Everyone, in the queue at Pack and Save Royal Oak or Kmart St Luke's. Onwards!